Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. Hey everyone, this is Tara Lynn, and I would just like to give a personal thank you to everybody who has left us a review. They are so kind. I seriously get like teared up when I read them. Um, One of my most current favorites is from a mom. She says that our podcast came out about when her first baby was born and she listened to our episodes on every walk that she'd go on. And she felt like she had like her best friends walking with her. So I just want to let you guys know that um, we've had a lot of people say that we feel like they feel like we are their friends. And I want you guys to know that we think about you guys all the time as our listeners. And we, I totally feel like you're our friends as well. So I just want to thank you for leaving us a review and let you know it is so helpful for us and our podcast success when you do leave us a kind review. So thank you. Um, if you are willing to leave us one, you just go to search, find the magic on Apple podcasts, and then you scroll to the bottom of the page and leave a review. And then you make sure you push send after you leave the review and give us a rating. Thank you so, so much. And hope you have a beautiful day. What's up you guys, Roger Jessup here with the Utah house doctors. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for our weekly giveaways and all things home. Whether that be new construction ideas, home renovations, or any of your real estate needs. All right, I'm going to start us off with a high five today, and that is that my boys love to ride their little three-wheel trike things (laughs) I don't know what they're called you guys know what I'm talking about big wheel on the front two small wheels on the back Mm -hmm. red rider situations yeah you know I think that's good like the flat seat you know they're like in it looks like they're riding like a motorcycle because the handles Uh are up Uh at the church parking lot that is across the street from our house it has like three hills and so they walk them all the way to the top and they come flying it's so scary like every single time i'm just concerned they drift around the corners oh my gosh (laughs) it's so cute well normally they just go do it by themselves but it was sunny so i took wes in the stroller on a walk and sunny was actually in the stroller too and i have like one of those little ride boards that hook on the back um it's like a little half skateboard thing that hooks on and so I'm just like walking around and I started to discover that on the little hills I could stand on the board and just like <laughs> ride down the little hills myself and fun. not the big hills but it was it was like quite thrilling <laughs> I was getting a little adrenaline rush I'm like we need helmets we're gonna get into this stroller surfing thing so I'm giving a high five to ride boards on strollers Take advantage, they're not just for kids. (laughs) That's awesome.
I should put mine on. I have a ride board, but I haven't put it on because I don't have any other kids for it to ride it. You but can just go to the park by your house, just skateboard there. There you scoot, go. Scoot, scoot, hop on. I like it's, that. You have to lean forward a little bit or else it tips back. But Like a grocery <laughs> cart. Yeah, yeah, totally. With the baby. Exactly. That's awesome. Okay. Well, I love that, Felicia. It's very playful. Exactly. And you're parenting today. Exactly. <laughs> well, mine's a face palm. And sometimes my face palms, guys, I'm, I'm like almost ashamed to admit them, but you know what? That's what we're about, transparency and authenticity. Mm -hmm. And so here I am just admitting my failures. So as a family, we every quarter just review our goals and they're in four categories, intellectual, social, spiritual, and physical. And my social goal for this, (laughs) for this quarter is being punctual. I, it's one of my biggest weaknesses. I am just, I always think I can get more stuff done. You guys know. Anyway, I mean, you guys have heard me just coming here. I'll like put an extra load of laundry in. Like it's a problem. And it was funny. My in-laws were there when we were talking about it. And they're like, my mother-in-law's like, what are you talking about? You're always punctual. Like, I didn't even know you were ever not punctual. And Jeff, my husband was like, I love her, but no, no, it's a problem. Anyway, and then guess what, guys? I've been late, like really late to two things already this week. And we're on January, what What are we, 5th? 6th. 6th? Yeah. So already crushing the goal. <laughs> hey, you know what? You can reset at any moment. We exactly. About that. But guys, guess what? It's not all or nothing. And it doesn't mean the whole thing is scrapped. The whole quarter is not scrapped. I just recommit every day. And we're going to keep... I'm going to keep plugging <laughs> along. But wow. Talk about face palm. Oh. Like I was going to dinner with Jeff. I was bringing all the kids. I had plenty of great excuses. Lots of good excuses. <laughs> I mean, the kids were doing their homework. I, like, I was, I had great excuses. And I got there, and it was, like, pretty much just a huge face palm. Literally, like, I found myself, like, <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry I'm late. Anyway. I think every parent gets a 15-minute buffer on any time you're supposed to be somewhere. Okay. Well, in that okay. case, then I'm very punctual. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you're, you're, you're doing great. <laughs> That's awesome. Anyway, it's bad. So, well, face you know palm all the time. Yes. I like that you said, though, that, you know what? It doesn't matter. You can restart in the day, the hour. It doesn't matter. Life is just about recommitting, and it is not... <laughs> All or nothing. And yes, I am just as committed today as I was yesterday. So I'm going to try again today. It is hard with kids, though. Again, I just have the one, but it does add another dimension. And so I, I can't imagine, like, four. Yeah. Well, and part of my goal was to be 10 minutes early. Like, if I'm trying to be 10 minutes early, because that's another thing I have. I'm like, I feel like I'm wasting time if I get somewhere really early. So I'm like, I'm just going to change that mindset that it's okay to get places early. Mm-hmm. I'm not wasting time. It's mm-hmm. fine. So there's been several times we've tried to do that, and we've just been on time. So that's, mm. I mean. Yeah, that's a good, good tactic. <laughs> it's like reverse psychology on yourself. <laughs> um, that's awesome. So mine is a high five. So um, yesterday, the fifth, was my five-year anniversary. So I'm actually calling it, because you know how, like, on your birthday, you know how you call your golden birthday? Like, if you turn, I just had my golden birthday. I turned 20, well, a couple years ago, I just had it. I turned 24, like, on the 24th. So I had my five-year, and it was on the 5th. Like, we were... So I'm, like, kind of calling it, like, our first golden anniversary, even though golden anniversary is 50 years, because we made it. So that's kind of fun. So that's our high five. We went to this really fun place. Um, 
if anybody lives in Utah, it was really good, and it was totally unique food. It's called Franks. Have you guys been? Mm, I love Franks. You've been? Okay. Oh, my gosh. I had never even heard of it. It's so creative. Oh, my Very gosh. creative. So good. Very creative, mm. very unique food. And if you go on a Tuesday night, which our anniversary happened to fall on a Tuesday night, they actually have, it's called Tuesday Tasting Night. And so they bring you out. It's almost like almost like a sampler thing. Like you have like mm. three three courses and each one they kind of like bring you out these different things. And I had never eaten anywhere like that before. And literally everything I had, I have to say, like I don't know if I've had anything like each thing was very unique mm-hmm. and very creative so mm-hmm. anyway so it was really fun it was a really fun thing and happy anniversary to Ooh, us yes. so our yes happy five. anniversary did you fun. have their soup i did have a soup it was kind of um it wasn't my favorite i'm gonna be honest it was called like a blackberry it was it was really interesting it was like fermented blackberries with like cream it was mm. good actually like, it was good but i wasn't like it was almost like a little too unique for me okay. for me it's one of my favorite restaurants of all time. If you live in Utah. Oh, I've they're, never even heard of They're not our sponsor here. But, I mean, just the most unique combination of flavors. Like, I think I had, like, a yummy pasta once where they'd put, like, a white chocolate, very subtle sauce on the edge or something. Mm. Or they had a peanut butter and jam soup. Their soups are, like, their oh. signature thing. And they come up with a different soup every day. And it sounds so weird and not good, but it was, like, the best soup I've ever had in my life. Wow. Like, it's making my mouth water. Yeah. Everything I've had there is, like, so creative. And I'm like, I've never tasted this before, but why have I not tasted this? Like, it's so Yeah, good. it's so unique. It's like, how do they come up with... They also create, like, a new donut every day. So, like, for the dessert menu, obviously, they have, like, a few staples, but, like, they always have a donut of the day. We didn't actually have the donut of the day, but they were saying, they're like, we always have, like, a new one. So, it's fun. It's, like, it's in Conwood Heights area. So definitely I would recommend it. It's like a fun, totally different experience. It's, and mm. like it's a really fun dining experience too. I feel like they've got the ambiance down. It's mm. good. And I could tell they had some really fun patio seating. So I actually want to go back during the summer because I feel like that's yeah. my patio seating. On my list. So, um, okay. So before we kind of get started into our episode, another thing that um, we wanted to talk about was okay. um, if you are not on our email list already, um, just a quick little plug for it is every week we actually put things in the email that maybe we don't have time to really talk about and delve into in the episode but it's like stuff that we really love so whether it's a podcast that we're really into or a book that we've read that we you know just haven't had time to talk about in the episode or even a good recipe we always put we're calling it the magic of the week right now and it's usually right below some of the episode info but um, it's just some fun things that we have that we're really loving right now and we want to share with people, but maybe there's just not time right then in the episode to talk about it. So if you're not on the email list already and you want to be, you can sign up by going to findthemagic.co and then right on that homepage, it just there's like a place where you can put your name and your email and you can get our emails from us. And also those of you on the list will be first in line to um, get our journal pre-order that will be coming um, here soon. So email has a lot of good things. Which we are so excited about. It's going to be amazing. It's so fun. All right. So we are talking about playful parenting today. And before all of you serious people like me run away, you're Mm -hmm. going to love this. When I first um, started reading this book, I was nervous that it was just going to tell me to be really goofy and act crazy and play with my kids 24-7 and put on a clown nose and I was kind of already annoyed at the name of the book. (laughs) Um, And it really, so this book, Playful Parenting by Lawrence Cohen, 
Yeah. Lawrence? Yeah, that's his that's name. That's like, it's coming off my tongue weird, but that's his He name. calls himself Larry in the book, so. Okay. Maybe that's where you're oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's why. And the funny little plug about the book is I've had it on our list of things to read for, what, like a year and a half now? Yeah. <laughs> and Felicia's I like, I don't know about this. My energy has been <laughs> off-putting. It's, it's depleted just reading the title. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired just thinking about it. But, guys, this book, it is so, it was so great. And it is not just a book about games to play with your kids or guilt trips about you not playing with them enough. Um, it really helps you see how you can connect through having a lighthearted, playful energy with your parenting. And my favorite thing about it is um, the mindset shift that being playful is somehow giving them their way. So if I chase them to the car in this fun game, the next time when I need them to just get in the car, they're not going to because they're going to need the chase them to the car game. And I like that if we can shift and think that if we can get into this light, playful mode that we're actually, I mean, we're in control. That shows that we are so unruffled in this situation that we can play. Like they're not phasing us. Yes. I love thinking about it that way. Yeah. It was a total mindset shift. I, I think that was the biggest thing that I loved about the book was realizing that if we have that, it's almost like just don't take yourself so seriously. Right. And like by bringing that playful attitude into things, my biggest thing was it takes the struggle out because I think sometimes we get caught up in like, we obviously have these boundaries and they do need to be kept. But I think one way to it is through play and that's so crucial for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was just cool to think about it that it was like, this is a really great way to not only be in like concert with our kids, but actually like have fun with it. I thought one of the coolest things he said was like, it's just such a fun way to connect with our kids and our connect- our kids are so good at playing mm-hmm. that it's such a fun way to like be there with them. Um, and I think my biggest thing that I love too is that it's not that this is taking away, cause we know there's power in our kids being able to independently play. There's a lot of power in that. There's a lot of power in our kids being able to play with their peers well. So I think those both have places, and um, Larry talks mm-hmm. about that. But um, but also recognizing that parent and child play have a huge piece, and, and we as parents, when we're able to find that, that role with our kids, there is so much power and um, just fun, like being able to take that struggle out of things and, and making it more playful. Totally. He, there's a quote in the book that says, when we connect, we are the mortar. So when we play... <clears throat> we we connect with our kids we are the mortar and when we challenge um or you know hold limits or boundaries or you know we're more that figure in their life we are the we are the bricks and we need both to build strong kids and mm-hmm. so it's not discounting the boundaries and being a parent mm-hmm. but it's building that connection mm-hmm. in between which it's one of our pillars. I love that metaphor because if you have just mortar, you're just going to end up with a really soft, slushy kid Yeah, <laughs> who can't really be an adult. Right. But if you do just bricks, it's not a very, it's a hard wall, mm-hmm. a hard child, but not a strong one that can just topple and your relationship is not mm-hmm. going to be strong and it can just topple over and hurt people, right? Mm-hmm. Piles of bricks hurt people. Mm-hmm. So I love that because <clears throat> we've talked before in our episode that we will link, but it's... Um, arguably the most effective way of parenting and it's called the authority authoritative version of parenting mm-hmm. where you have high connection and 
high expect they use the word expectation i'm going to say holding boundaries Mm -hmm. but that metaphor is a really good one because it's focusing on we need connection and limits Mm -hmm. yeah both we don't want to be overly permissive Mm -hmm. or overly oh there was a doctor i think her name is dr amy brown she used instead of the word because authoritative is the one we want to be um authoritarian is the one that's just like I'm the boss. High expectations, yeah. strong limits, no connection. Um, but I like it. She actually changed the word to militant. Mm-hmm. And it's way easier because authoritative easier. and authoritarian so are so close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we don't want to be militant. We don't want to be overly permissive. We don't want to be neglectful. We want to be authoritative, which is just a nice strong wall. Good high on connection, which is the mortar, and high on setting limits and challenging our kids so they can become their best selves. Mm-hmm. Right. And I just love it. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful metaphor. So it's important when we're talking about um, play to be aware that it really all connects back to connection Um, and being aware of when our kids need connection and then using play as something we have in our toolbox to connect with them. So I love this thought in the book that giving half-hearted attention all day takes more time than targeted attention and we talk about this when we talk about you know throughout the day we have so many opportunities to connect when we're dressing our kids brushing their teeth feeding them and oftentimes our minds are distracted Mm -hmm. but if we can take advantage of these moments to connect through playing um or you know there's all there's various types of connection but today we're specifically talking about play then I notice in my kids, their independent play is much better. Their downtime is more, you know, they're able to take downtime. But when they're feeling like their cup isn't full and they're thirsty for that connection because we're just doing, you know, we're not being present in those moments all day, then they keep coming back for more and more and more. And they're not able to play on their own as well. Um, So if we can be aware of when our kids are isolating, acting out, being aggressive, um, maybe they're insulting us, they're misbehaving. All of these times, I think our first um, feeling is to go to what, you know, what's wrong with them or what do I need to change in my discipline? Mm -hmm. So how can I punish this out of them? Right. Do I need more timeouts or do I need to take away their video games or, you know, of various um, forms of discipline. But if we can think, oh, they're lacking in connection. I mean, first I go to, are they hungry? Are they tired? You know, like basic human needs. Mm-hmm. But then I think the next step is to be aware that it's it's probably a connection issue. They're, they're calling out in some way mm-hmm. to you, and that's where we can use play as a tool. Mm-hmm. And you said insulting. My favorite tip, we're just going to be kind of sprinkling in tips that um, the author gives us during the whole book. But my favorite tip with insults, and this is, I've tried it, and it's really fun, actually, because you might think, oh, my gosh, no, you're encouraging insults if you do this. But it, like, does the opposite. So he uses the example of poopy head mm-hmm. because it's he's like, it's like the epitome of kids want to control their bodily function. Potty words are a little bit, you know, taboo. And then insulting people. Like, they're experimenting with a lot of power when mm-hmm. they use that word. 
And so he says, if your kids insult you, you can try out, if, if you want to try out this playful parenting tactic to diffuse the situation, you can say, oh, you can call me that all you want, but please don't call me, you know, Rice Krispie Treats face or whatever. <laughs> And you just make up some silly thing. Like, please don't. That's, like, the word I, I, I can't handle. And then, of course, then they start calling you that, Rice Krispie Treats face. And you end up both laughing, and it takes the power away from the name calling, which is poopy head. Mm-hmm. It just takes the power all the way away from it. And that's really what we want to do is we just want to take the power away from it. But it isn't this, like, power struggle thing. Right. You just shifted it over, and the great thing about it is you're still connected. Mm-hmm. You haven't lost any connection, which is really cool. And, I mean, my kids don't call me poopy yet. I've never had that. But, um, but you know, <laughs> like, what, what would Cohen always say? Oh, you bad boy. You bad baby. <laughs> you bad baby. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of cute, it is so actually. Cute. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's fun to be, like, just change it into, like, a, oh, please don't call me that. Or mm-hmm. you can do that. I mean, frankly, bad baby, I actually like that. So <laughs> keep going with that. But just make it into a playful thing. Mm-hmm. Instead of, like, getting all mad and fussy about it. Mm-hmm. And, again, you you might hear me talking and think, well, then they're just going to call me names all the time. But in my – as I've been experimenting with this, it doesn't. It actually just loses its power, and it kind of goes away. And comes back like everything does. But right. guess what? That's what name-calling and potty words do anyways, right. no matter how you deal with them, right? right? It's just kind of this thing that, like, ebbs and flows, and you – in my experience, though, it has not gotten worse it kind of fades. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes back again, I have to do the same thing again. But I kind of love that. It's just, a fun way to do it's it. A, it's, it's just a fun, a fun way to diffuse the situation. And he said you can even do funny things like fall over. Like, kids, kids love it when you fall mm-hmm. over. You know, mm-hmm. like, once you've changed the word around, Rice Krispie Treats face, and they say it, you can, like, fall over. Like, oh, it paralyzed me or whatever. <laughs> and make them love the other word. With my kids, we've started with potty words. We experiment with other funny words. So I'll be like, what's an even funnier word you can think of? And they come up with the funniest things like chicken doodle flop face. Mm-hmm. But in order for it to work, I have to laugh at chicken doodle flop face, right? right? You know right. what I mean? And right. so it's really funny because then they love the word chicken doodle flop face. Mm-hmm. And it just makes everybody laugh. And they're not quite so obsessed with the potty words. But it isn't because I've shamed them about the potty words. It's just we've just kind of shifted it and... Mm-hmm. When a little group of friends, like my, my six-year-old has a little group of friends that they were, I mean, like when they'd come over, I was like, oh my gosh, guys, we, like the potty words are getting out of control in my mind. And so we started that game of what's the funniest word? So to be really funny, we use words that aren't potty words because that's like an easy kind of funny, right? right? But you guys are funny enough. I know you can come up with something that's even funnier. And hearing a little group of boys come up with really funny words, I mean, they were rolling on the ground laughing like mm-hmm. piglet you know, cracker fingers, like just funny things. They're just so silly. And anyway, it's just a fun way. Again, you're taking the power struggle out, diffusing it with laughter, and it, it's kind of brilliant, actually. Right, and you're reestablishing a connection with them. Because, you know, we do have to discipline as parents, but you can feel in moments when you're doing a more serious kind of discipline that you are disconnected. You're like holding this line and they're on one side and you're on the other side. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's okay in a relationship as long as you have enough connection right. to withdraw from. Right. But when we're low on connection, if we're withdrawing all the time, mm-hmm. then we end up damaging our relationship. And a lot of times when I've noticed when you reconnect with play, it seems like here's this momentary thing of 
you know, maybe it's the reoccurring of them calling you stupid. And then you use the little game. And when you reestablish that connection, um, <clears throat> I feel like if it is a deeper issue, you can f then feel those emotions come out and release because they feel safe with you. So it's all about that. It's reestablish. It's, you know, we talk, kids play. So if we can talk to them in their language, which oftentimes is play, I think they feel really connected and safe with us to release the other mm -hmm. bigger things. I love that the whole thing was just a parallel to what we talk about all the time and what we've learned from our favorite mentors, Janet Lansbury, Magda Gerber, about respectful parenting, that play is simply a way that kids can release and emotion process things mm -hmm. in a really safe way because we don't want to stifle f feelings and push them down and play allows, in fact, uh, what book was it where they talked about how crying and laughing actually release the same way. Sometimes we need to cry. Mm -hmm. I actually find myself sometimes when I'm crying, I make myself laugh as like uh -huh. a defense mechanism, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but it does both, like it's a release. So yeah, it's helpful. I think for me too, something that I, um, I really like, well, that as I was reading, I was kind of trying to come to terms with, um, is because Janet Lansbury talks a lot about not distracting your kids. So like if they, so you know, if they are trying, I'm making up a thing, but for instance, like if they are trying to like draw on the walls and you know that like they know that that's a boundary and they're not supposed to draw on the walls, whatever. Um, I, I think I was like kind of having a hard time coming to terms with like, okay, where's the line of being playful and like kind of maybe you've tried some other tactics. Maybe this is an approach of like taking yourself out of like being more playful with, with helping them set this boundary, but not distracting. Cause then maybe they lose out on that lesson of like, okay, but we still know that you, you know, you're really not supposed to draw on the wall. And so kind of, I loved like discussing this with you guys, but like the idea of then also, but using that play, but not, but like writing that line of not distracting. So I think that like you can still maybe make it kind of fun, like maybe making fun rules about maybe drawing the walls. Like, I don't know. Do you guys have like some thoughts about that of like drawing the line mm -hmm. of not distracting, making it be like a positive thing, but using play and playfulness to maybe draw some of those boundaries when other things haven't worked. Well, and it comes to my mind as like a tool in our toolbox. Um, I think a lot of things with little kids, they already know mm -hmm. they're not supposed to draw on the right. wall. Or they already know not to put the whole roll of toilet paper in the toilet, right? We've said mm -hmm. it a million times. Mm -hmm. And so our tool as adults is like to talk about it and lecture. And a lot of times you can see it just go like in one ear and out the other. Right. So one of my favorite tools um, with that before reading Playful Parenting was always like just the physical like removal of either the item or them. Like, you know, like you don't even talk. It's just like mm -hmm. I'm going to move you. Mm -hmm. And I see play as another um, tool that we can use where it's like, you know, they already, they know the thing. So instead of the talking tool, it's the playing tool of, you know, you can – it, you don't have to worry about them missing out on the lesson so much as see it as a tool to remove the power struggle. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. where it works in my mind that like they already know this. And if I'm going to lecturing, I'm just like talking to the wall. So if I can use play in that way to connect with them and um, remove, I think removing the power struggle in any situation gives you all the power. Right. Whether it's playing or it's 
removing the item or it's removing the kid, like we take away the power struggle, we are in power regardless of how we get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and, like that. And for me, I actually love that example. Let's use the example of drawing on the wall. Because to me, it isn't that you're distracting. You see a kid a crayon on a wall. <laughs> you're not distracting like, oh, come play bouncy ball with me. You're not right. distracting from it. For me, it's you're actually addressing it really mm-hmm. almost head on, but from the side. Um, for me, I'm going to use, so using that example, if my four-year-old, I see him drawing on the wall, or more likely I find crayon <laughs> on the wall, right? I'll still deal with it. And you can still do it with a soft heart, right? There, right. I can say, you know, um, let's not draw on the wall. Let's clean it up together. And you can make the cleaning playful, right? Because mm-hmm. then you're connecting as you clean, right? Hey, let's see how fast you can scrub and make them work together. Because I always tell my kids, I actually say over and over and over, luckily I'm not worried because you're so good at cleaning up your own mess. So, you know, he's going to get a rag. He's going to work on cleaning off the wall. And then what I would do to use play, so it isn't that I have to use play in the exact moment of an issue, Mm -hmm. right? Or, you know, say your kid hits somebody else. It isn't like you're, like, going to turn that into play right then. You can still deal with the limit then, you Mm -hmm. know. Again, unruffled, calm. I'm not going to let you hit you. I mean, I'm not going to let you hit your brother. Mm -hmm. Or in the wall situation, you know, I don't want you to draw on the wall. Let's clean it up together. But for me, where the play magic would come in would be later. In a role reversal. So uh, Cohen talk. I'm just going to call him by his last name. Cohen talks about how role, role reversal play is so strong and it's a great way to circle back. So mm-hmm. later you can say, you pretend like I'm the kid and I just drew on the wall. No, no, no. How I would probably say it. You, well, you can do whatever you want. This is so fun. It's creative, right? Mm-hmm. You're the parent. And I am a kid. And then I'd get a crayon and I'd be like pretending to color all over the walls and see what my kid does, right? Mm-hmm. How are they going to respond? Mm-hmm. And make it into a fun... So you're actually not using it as a distraction at all. In this situation, you're using it as a circle back, focusing on the problem itself. Mm-hmm. And you can use that with any role reversal. You can do it with hitting. I mean, you're not going to actually hit somebody. But you could role reversal it and say, you know, okay, I am five and you're the dad. You know, you're the daddy. And then be like... To a doll, be like, oh, I'm so mad. I want to hit you. Mm-hmm. And see what mm-hmm. your little kid, who's a parent now, does, mm-hmm. right? And you're just experimenting with power. So I like that question that Caitlin asked because to me, play isn't a distraction. Mm-hmm. It's simply a way to keep us from losing it sometimes. Right. But it doesn't mean you can't just set a limit and circle back later. Right. So it's kind of two different. You can use it in moments with things, but I'm never going to use play right as my kid's about to hit somebody, mm-hmm. right? That's mm-hmm. just a time for a gentle, mm-hmm. I hold their hand, I won't let you hit you, mm-hmm. I won't let you hit them, mm-hmm. move them to the other part of the room, yeah. right? Like, you don't yeah. have to use play then. Yeah, totally. It's not a distracting thing totally. at all. And I, you know, I think there's moments where we're going to feel like using play. Like, um, I, my second kid who's four, he, um, Lenny, he loves... T- like, if he gets frustrated, he'll oftentimes grab something and, like, chuck it. it he's mad, you know, mm-hmm. or, like, either throw it down at the ground or throw it across the room <clears throat> or sometimes have people, whatever, just throw stuff. And, you know, that's – it's a reoccurring thing that's frustrating. And a couple days ago, he went to throw something, and I – you know, oftentimes I can be there to stop it, but I'm feeling – annoyed by it and I know you know our kids pick up on our energy so I grabbed it and like 
did like a ninja like hoo, hoo, ha, like move like you know like a little baby like hoo, in the stomach and then like a pretend kick to him and like bring the thing around and like pretending I was a, a ninja with the thing he was about to throw and you know I can't tell you if this is going to keep reoccurring but in his face it was like hmm? like mom <laughs> I could tell it's like he's like curious kind of like a little bit of a laugh underneath no more power struggle we didn't talk about the throwing thing and then he just goes on he's probably gonna do it again uh-huh. but after i was like oh that felt way better than the recurring circling back of like we've talked about this a million times yes. and he's still gonna throw it yes so let's not make it as miserable for me you know yeah. and you're not withdrawing <laughs> right from the connection you're right. actually just added to the connection by that little bit of playfulness instead that happens to me every time my youngest does like a try to run away from me and he loves it but yeah if you just make it fun it's all of a sudden I'm happy and he's happy right and I'm not like yeah. right why are you doing exactly what I say and it's just fun so and we can't always make it fun I think a lot of times um the times when our kids need play are we're really tired uh-huh. because we have a new baby yes or we just moved yes. or you know they're starting a new school yes or we're all cut off from them. And so it doesn't really, in those moments, I don't really feel like playing. But I think if we can push through that, it can unlock a world of connection that it would have just been a spiral down. Mm-hmm. Like I've had that with kids often where it's like, we're just getting deeper and deeper into this um, frustrated feeling in our relationship mm-hmm. because we're not connecting like I'm mad and I'm being stubborn Mm -hmm. and you're just going to keep doing the same things because you're a kid and you need me to be the adult and I love the mindset shift of if I can switch into play I'm taking that I'm moving it into like a lighter Mm -hmm. mood and I I do have power in that space Mm -hmm. yeah I I think it's such a good situation for both parent and child a situation in my life where I've started practicing this um, maybe for the last few months, and I love it. I was having a power struggle with my two boys when we go to Root Dry Studio, which is the place where I do yoga, because they have this big, like, bouncy, soft floor room, and my boys love it, and there's mats on the walls. So, I mean, they just, like, run, and they turn into wild creatures, which I love. It's mm-hmm. good. It's good to have a safe space for them to run wild. But my problem was when it was time to go, I'd say it's time to go, and they would amp up the wildness. They'd start mm-hmm. climbing up the mats where, like, mm-hmm. I'd have to, like, climb up and get them. And it, honestly, it was like, I'm sweating. I'm kind of embarrassed. <laughs> just mind me. Like, right. let's just go. I right. said it's time to go. Let's go. Why are you obeying me? Well, guys, I started this, again, months ago, and it's still working for me. I literally just shifted it to, you guys are going to hear this and be like, duh, this is so easy. <laughs> but I just shifted it to, okay, count of five. Please, nobody go outside because that's where you're safe. I'm going to count down to five, and then I turn into a monster, and anybody who's on the soft floor gets eaten. And every time, guys, <laughs> it works. They hop off the mats. They go running, squealing, out all the way out of the studio. And it's great because if they don't, I just catch them and eat them, and that's fun too. Right, right. And then they keep running. Mm-hmm. But it's totally taken out. They're actually getting outside, and it's fun. And I don't have to be sweating, embarrassed, be like, climb down <laughs> off the mat. And no. <laughs> everybody's happier. So just yeah. little things like that. I mean, it's so simple. But just turn it into how to get people out of. <laughs> well, I don't think anybody's going to think, well, duh, Terlin. First of all, Terlin's one of the more playful parents that I've ever known. I think you use play a lot. So five stars. And 
I think all of us as parents are like, when I say it's time to go, I want you to just go. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't want to play a game. (laughs) Why is it so hard? (laughs) And so, and that's why when I see this, like, playful parenting idea, it kind of, I think it, like, irritates that part of my parenting brain. But it's not a every time and a forever thing. It's in moments where we're having power struggles, reoccurring things, we can use this as a tool. And it's amazing. I mean, I think every kid connects this way through yeah. play. So, yeah. And we, well. we all have patterns. Um, something I love that Cohen says is if you look at patterns in your kids, especially when they're like either you're melting down or they're, they're, they are melting down, mm-hmm. um, oftentimes there's patterns. So, for example, teeth brushing. Or he gives the example of fingernail clipping, which I think this is a brilliant. Okay, guys, this is a, just a tip on power struggles in general. Um, his daughter would, like, scream when uh, she'd, he'd cut her fingernails. And so it was painful for everybody. Everybody hated it. So what they did is the dad said, okay, well, let's set up a game. I have the fingernail clippers, and I am going to just sit here, like, a foot away, you know. And the game is I come closer, and when you say stop, I stop. And then I'll come closer, you say stop, I stop. And then maybe I'll clip a fingernail. But if you say stop, I'll stop. Right? Mm-hmm. So this is so cool because it's teaching boundaries and you're giving the kids some power. And he said it took a little longer, but she actually let him cut all the fingernails because mm-hmm. she knew she was in control. Mm-hmm. She knew he wasn't going to grab her hand and force the fingernail clipping mm-hmm. by giving her some power. And uh, Cohen actually says in one of his things he was teaching this and people were like, that's going to take way too long to cut the fingernails. And his answer was painting your kid down and cutting the fingernails also takes a long time. Totally. So it might it's take so a little hard. more time, but once you kind of get over that barrier by playing a few times, mm-hmm. the next time it's not going to be as long to cut the fingernails because she's not going to be afraid. You know, it's going to be easier and easier and easier. So sometimes it's just playing a game for a little bit in order to get over a pattern that you know is a reoccurring issue, right? Totally. And again, I'm not talking about just kids because us as adults, we have times of the day where every time I feel like I'm losing my mind. Yeah. Like it was trying to get out of the studio. Every time I felt inside of myself like, ugh, mm-hmm. we have to leave. We're leaving the house. I gotta figure out a way. Mm-hmm. You gotta figure out a game. And clearly with my punctuality <laughs> goal, I gotta figure out a way to make that into a game because it's so frustrating to me when I say, okay guys, we're leaving in five minutes. I just want everybody to put on their shoes. It's gonna, you have five full minutes. And mm-hmm. then I go get my stuff and I come out and I'm like, Nobody's Has moved. nobody gotten their shoes? And in my head, I'm like, why can't you just, I said it, why can't you just get your shoes and be in the car? But maybe, i got to think of a way to make this playful. Yeah, if you guys have any game suggestions for leaving the house. For getting that's out universal. of the house and into the car with all of your shoes. Because, yeah, they'll sometimes get in the car, but nobody has shoes. Right. Or right. masks. I mean, we're in COVID time, so, like, if we're going to a store, anyway, it's very frustrating. So when we, we're talking here a lot about um, kind of, like, power struggle discipline but we want to go over all the different times we can connect with play. Um, the first one being intentionally playing with our kids. Um, I know this makes some of us, you know, cringe a little bit. But for me, if I can look at it as a way that I can help my kid through something, repair our relationship, teach them something, it makes like just playing imaginary play or whatever a little bit easier for my adult brain. Yes, because the idea here is, again, if we look at our relationship as an emotional bank account, if we're taking time not just waiting for crisis mode mm-hmm. to connect, but actually putting in a little bit of connection on a daily basis, 
And it really makes setting limits so much better. Mm-hmm. My my personal favorite, if you're just talking about just like daily connection, um, I do a thing called the love bath with my kids before they go to bed. And I tickle their backs and I have affirmations that I sing to them. I sing them to the tune of Amazing Grace. Some, one of our listeners actually asked me to sing it for her and send it. And I was like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'll send you the words. I'm not a singer. I mean, I sing for my children, but... Um, I've just chosen all the words I want as affirmations for them and I call it a love bath so literally like they lay down and they now know just to picture like I'm just bathing you with love so just picture like everything I love about you just wrapping you up in love and then we snuggle we actually set a timer because otherwise we'd snuggle they want to snuggle forever mm-hmm. we snuggle for six minutes and it's just a way that then like no matter what not a ton of time goes by without that connection mm-hmm. which I really love mm-hmm. Uh, Cohen gives the example of uh, a mom who had just had a baby, and so the older child was feeling unconnected and was just throwing a lot of tantrums, going experiencing a lot of emotion. And she invented something called the love egg, where she'd actually like tap, tap, tap on the top of the head and be like, mm-hmm. break, and then imagine love just going all the way down, and then she'd like kiss the little girl's cheek, and then kiss her elbow, and her knees, and her toes. And it's so simple, and it's kind of silly, because it makes probably makes your kids laugh a little bit but I guarantee that little girl probably came back anytime she was feeling a little disconnected Mm -hmm. like kids love I mean my kids lean into the love bath like they'll be like give us a love bath give us a love bath and they lay down just like Mm -hmm. yes Mm -hmm. you know receive the Mm -hmm. love and it's so easy but I think it's so good to have some kind of little ritual of this is made for you just to feel love for me Mm -hmm. and that's that's the only purpose of it yeah I think it's beautiful. Um, another sort of intentional play is physical play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's wrestling, um, all those sorts of, you know, on the ground, rolling around with our kids. I think this is a beautiful opportunity for fathers to get involved because kind of um, is in a lot of dad's wheelhouse if they do it right to kind of embrace that um fatherhood and get that deep connection through rough and tumble and I think it's important to you know so if you read playful parenting Cohen has tons of tips for physical play we won't go through them all but I think you know some pretty basics are you know you establish a safe word at the start so if someone says stop or maybe it's chicken or maybe it's uncle or whatever it is it's like we always stop when kids say stop when we're wrestling um and that's we're tickling and that's their first introduction maybe not their first but an important introduction to what consent is Mm -hmm. i think it's important for everybody to learn what it means to say no Mm -hmm. and what it means to respect a no honestly because later in life that's going to be a really important dynamic to a healthy relationship so, I mean, we've all been where you're wrestling, especially, I mean, they're wrestling with people way bigger than them. So yeah. I think it's good for them to say, like in our family, it's uncle, you know, mm-hmm. where you're like, okay, uncle. And that means that no matter what, the person backs off. Right. And that's super, super important, mm-hmm. which leads us into tickling. Right. <laughs> Everybody has different opinions about tickling. Cohen's opinion, I actually totally agree with. 
um, that we should never force tickling. Mm -hmm. And how you can tell a kid is liking it. Um, his recommendation, if you're ever going to tickle, to have it be super light and then you back off and see their reaction. Do they want more? If so, do a little more tickle. Mm -hmm. But never the pin them down and tickle them until they're almost crying laughing. Mm -hmm. Because if you've ever done that, we've all seen it, when you pull away... You can tell the kids like laughing, but it's like laugh cry almost like a grimace. Like yeah. I hated that, but I loved it. I don't, but I, I'm out of well, control. When you're being tickled, you can't not laugh because until you turn it into a cry, like it's it is an out of control feeling. Yeah. So and it's just total powerlessness. And mm -hmm. I mean, I've even seen it with babies, like one year olds, where like you can tell. I mean, the person's doing it out of fun, but they tickle and the baby's laughing, and as soon as they stop, the baby like almost cries a little. Like, yeah. I didn't like that. Yeah. But they don't know how to say that. Right. And so. His, yeah, his tip is to just very light, light tickling, never pin him down and force tickle. Mm -hmm. And then you always back off and look at their reaction. And if they want more, yeah, mm -hmm. totally go for it. I've actually started, I mean, I already kind of felt that way before anyways, but after reading this book, I've experimented with, this is a really fun way. If you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about here. You can try not actually touching tickling. The untickle. The untickle. It's almost better. So, like, I'll have, like, my four-year-old, like, put his arm up, and I'll have his arm, like, holding it, and then I'll just, like, hover, and then I'll and then I'll totally let go. Like, I mm -hmm. let go of both hands, so he has total control of his hands. And I'll be like, do you want more tickles? Mm -hmm. And he'll put his arms up. Mm -hmm. Like, I love, like, he loves it, but there's no out-of-control feeling. He's in right. control, and if I do a little tickle, it's just, like, a really light little tickle, and then back off mm -hmm. and see if, see how he likes it, right? Yeah. And so, I think that's... And it's just as, it's more fun, honestly. It's totally. more fun than forcing a kid to be tickled. And honestly, guys, I mean, this is a few years ago that I actually was introduced to the topic of, like, forced tickling. And I was like, hold on a second. I like tickle fights. But since then, I've realized, I actually, I don't like being held down and being tickled either. No. I don't mind a little tickle. And I don't mind, like, the little, like, like the leg squeeze where you laugh and then it's done. Right. But I don't like being held down and being mm -mm. just forced tickled either. I like wrestling. But yeah. I've actually, even, like, when we're roughhousing as a family, like, I'll be like, no tickle. No tickles for me. Yeah. Like, I just want to wrestle because wrestling is fun, but mm -hmm. I don't want to be forced Tickling tickles. is powerless. Yeah. Yeah, and I, on the note of physical play, um, I think sometimes we can feel like, oh, I don't want my kids to, like, wrestle or play fight because then that's going to turn them into people who fight and are aggressive. And I, and I can't speak for everyone, but I can see... In my boys, I think it really does the opposite. If they have a safe space to let that physical energy out and that aggression out with an adult who knows how to keep them safe and keep those safe limits, that um, they're better able to do that physical play with each other, um, and they're just more aware of their own their own body, and they they can see oh if I can wrestle in a respectful way with my brother, he will keep wrestling with me. And it can be this fun experience instead of now we punch each other in the face and now we're both crying. <laughs> exactly. So I think it they learn a lot through mm -hmm. physical play. And they learn how to make it actually wrestle longer when they don't punch each other in right. the face. Right, right, <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's experimenting with boundaries. And another thing that Cohen suggests is always make chance for connection anytime you're, like, roughhousing. So, like... For example, like bear hug and pretend like they're a pillow for a minute. You know mm -hmm, what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's not like the whole thing isn't like out of control, rough. Mm -hmm, right. And another thing you can do is experiment with power. And so he says, for example, um, he met a little girl who wrestled a lot with her older brother. And 
they had come up with this rule system of, you know, he had to start on all fours and he couldn't use his arms. You know what oh. I mean? Because she was so much littler. <laughs> so you could do things like that. So like, cute. like my kids love it when they can like pretend to chop off my arms, you know? So like, but I can't chop off theirs. Mm -hmm. So I can lose limbs and that kind of balances the power out. And right. again, anytime you can experiment with your kids feeling like, oh, I have some power here. It makes power struggles in other areas decrease, which is awesome. And I think anytime, that's how physical outlets are as well. Mm -hmm. I think expecting our kids to never roughhouse and just sit pristinely, <laughs> how are they going to release emotions? I mean, I find myself, I mean, I usually don't go like wrestle somebody if I'm feeling a lot of anger, but I'll go run. Like I'll go mm -hmm. sprint up a mountain and mm -hmm. maybe punch a pillow, mm -hmm. you know, like yeah. it's good to have a way to the physical release. Yeah. Um, also when we're talking about one-on-one -on -one play, we can use imaginary play um, to help with, you know, those reoccurring issues, or I especially like this when looking at fear. So if you have a kid that is, you know, is afraid of starting school, you could pretend you're a teacher and, you know, like doing a little imaginary play there. Or my two-year-old, Sunny, I've, notice that he has a little he's a little bit nervous around dogs um which I haven't had that with my other kids and I thought oh they're around dogs so they wouldn't be nervous but he totally has I can tell he's like apprehensive when um, a dog comes up so the other day we I told him let's play like I'm a puppy and you know at first I started out just like <laughs> and like woof woof and like just like playing puppy with him you know like licking him being silly and then I started to experiment a little bit with like growling and doing like the like a fake biting and you could see in his face like I'm a little bit nervous like that's where his like fear was centered was around that like growling biting that dogs do and so we played for a few minutes and and eventually he was laughing hysterically when I would like growl and like chase him around and bite him mm -hmm. and to be continued I'll follow up and, and tell you guys if it's helped, but I could see that um, moment in his mind where his fear was um, centered. And I think if we can help our kids experience that in a safe place, we can help them work through mm -hmm. those fears. Totally. And I love that you use the word safe because that's a beautiful opportunity we have as parents to help our children face their own fears in a safe environment. Mm -hmm. And Cohen calls it their edge. So we never force kids past their edge of fear. So, you know, like, I mean, it makes me cringe, but you know how people say like, throw your kid in the water if they're afraid of water. Right. Or force them to touch a dog if they're scared mm -hmm. of the dog. Mm -hmm. So we never force them past their edge, but we can bring them, they, we can bring them towards their edge and then mm -hmm. they, have, they have to be the one to go past it. But so for example, with the dog, first of all, I love to use the example of imaginary play because he was safe the whole time. He was with the person right. he trusted the most. So you never took him past his edge. You just let him in his mind experiment with the idea of being next to a dog that does a little growl, right? Mm -hmm. That's a perfect example of taking him towards the edge and then letting him deal with how close he wanted to get to you. Did he want to pet you? Did he want to run away? Like he could choose what he did there. With a real dog, same thing. You can walk across the street from a dog and choose does your child want to go closer or walk away so you can expose them to the things without forcing them mm -hmm. and creating more fear and the more you do this the safer they'll feel 
facing their own fears, which I love. Mm-hmm. Cohen gives the example of school drop-off, which is, I don't know if I, yeah, you could use the word fear mm-hmm. <laughs> for that. For a lot of kids, it's a big issue. And you can experiment with that during play. So during Legos, um, he gives the example of a mom who they were playing school and it wasn't helping. It wasn't until she pretended like a van brought up the little Lego character to school and they played out that part. And mm. she was the little boy in the Legos and was like, but I don't want to go to school. You know, like, mm-hmm. please, no. And like holding on to the van and stuff. And after a few play sessions of that, her child had no problem going to school. Wow. So That's cool. you can totally, using play, think of what your kid's having a hard time with and then let them play it with you, mm-hmm. with you as them, right? Mm-hmm. And again, you're just bringing them towards the thing that they're fearing and then letting them work out mm-hmm. because... It's not our job, nor is it really, it's, as I say this, this might be too strong of a word, but I feel like you're actually betraying trust when you force a kid past something that they're Mm -hmm. terrified of, Mm -hmm. but it's loving to bring them towards something and then be there as a safe space for them, Mm -hmm. how, how much they want to like go into that space. Right. So anyway, it's a really, I don't know. I feel like it's a sacred space we have as parents that we can do that and we can do it for adults too, Mm -hmm. even as I'm saying that. I mean, there's so many times my mom's afraid of heights, you know, mm-hmm. and we'll take her to something that is, makes her nervous. We never force her. Right. And she stops where she feels comfortable and then we go on, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So we do it with any age. Yeah. But I think sometimes with kids, because we have more power than them, we think it's okay to push them past their terror mm-hmm. and just. And we're not understanding the fear because we're not scared of it. So Yes. Yeah. Like, why them. would you be afraid right. of that bug? You right. Know? Right. But, I mean, how many, I've talked to so many adults who are like, my parent did this, and now I'm, like, traumatized, and I can never even I'll never do it again. <laughs> go close to that, you know? Yes, totally. Yeah, I think that's important, too. No. Um, <clears throat> so a lot of our lives is coexisting with our kids more than playing with them. That's just a small amount. And I love the reframe of even when we're all just home together, you know, I'm doing my chores or I'm sweeping or I'm cooking that when my kids are independently playing, I can support that play and I can see that as being a part of their play as well. Um, so there's lots of way that ways that as parents we support our kids play, right? So it's, um, do we need to help them set up the play? Can we, are they hungry? Do they need us to help them realize when they need a little bit of a break? Or do they need some new ideas because they're stuck kind of in this rut of fighting about the truck? So do I need to introduce some blocks to help them move through this? So we can support them in all of those ways. And I also love the idea of being kind of an assistant to their play. Um, So for example, so I noticed that you know, I do this a lot, but I never classified it as play. But it's kind of like, I'm just going to give myself this gold star here. And it's, we know the feeling when our kids are playing independently, but they keep like circling back to us for um, like to come into the play a little bit. So my kids will do this with experiments. They keep coming back to show me a part of it or get another ingredient for the experiment. Or maybe they need a little help or they want to like talk out the experiment. Um, so in those moments, I mean, that's all, that's all great. And you're playing a role there. But if you ever want to turn it into play, I love the idea, say with the experiments, you turn yourself into 
you're the mad scientist and they're your little helper scientists who are learning and yeah you're still sweeping and doing the chores but as they come in you know you say oh my looks like you need some baking soda you know like you're turning you're getting into this character and even though again that's taking you a small amount of time i think the connection there you're going into their world they're feeling like you're seeing them you're speaking their language um it it really builds that bond between the two of you and i i love it because we're already doing it yeah the <laughs> just task, switching your mind exactly the tasks are already happening my favorite and maybe a lot of you already do this but i actually think i heard this from deepak chopra um but it's just when you're vacuuming chase your kids with the vacuum mm. So it fun. makes it so fun. And then when you pass that job on to your children as they get older, which is also a lovely milestone to get to, mm-hmm. um, like my daughters will chase my sons with the vacuum. So and fun. it's so fun. Everybody, mm-hmm. like, it just changes something that you're already doing into something fun. And hopefully, as I say this, I actually have little hope because I still don't like cleaning. <laughs> but maybe my kids will think it's fun. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I can brainwash them. <laughs> Oh, and it, yeah, and in those everyday tasks, I mean, we're doing so many things for or with our kids or we're trying to get them to do so many things all day. So how can we turn those into play? And I, there's so many little power struggles over if, um, things they need to do to their physical body that we want them to do and they don't want to do. And that's like such a fine line. So like brushing teeth, I think we've had this example on on almost all of our podcast about parenting some somewhere or another your kid doesn't want to brush their teeth and it's hard to get them to brush their teeth if they don't want to getting dressed um i have heard many stories of kids using this as their power struggle that they don't want to change into the clothes that their parents want them to get dressed in i think that's super recurring um so one of my favorite tips a game you can play with anything like that is to um turn it around so tell them you never put clothes on. You can never wear clothes. You can't. Like, never put your shirt on. Block the dresser. I will not allow you to get your clothes out of the dresser. You know? And then, like, fall over when they touch right, you? Right, yes. right. Oh, I love so it. really get into that. Or the brushing teeth. Please n- do not put that disgusting toothpaste on your toothbrush. Oh, no, it's so gross. You're grossing me out. Don't stick it in your mouth. Don't stick it in your mouth. You know? So it's like you're you're totally removing the power struggle, and they're giggling, and they think... You're so, you know, they're probably a little bit confused, but I just love that idea because, you know, there's a million things we've all tried, but it's, it's almost like they feel like they have the power, but you really do because you're in this light space where you're totally unruffled and it just, it's bonding. I mean, it's all the things Mm -hmm. and those moments happen every single day Mm -hmm. of our lives. I love the example of <laughs> blocking the dresser because, again, you're playing with the power of anytime we can just fall over, our kids think it's oh, hilarious, yeah. oh, right? Yeah. And also is getting out there like I want to, just with a little bit of power, I can make somebody fall over because mm-hmm. I think that's why older kids love knocking over little kids so much because you just takes a little bump. I mean, yeah. we've all seen it. They just like do a little hip and the kid goes flying and you can tell they're like, whoa. Yeah. That was easy. <laughs> but if we can make that with us, right, and it's fun, it kind of takes a little bit of that power use out mm-hmm. um, my favorite thing with getting dressed is the you can use the you'll never get away from me phrase in a lot of situations yeah but i use it on my youngest all the time 
So sometimes if he doesn't want to do something, and I know it's something we're going to have to do, like you have to put on a shirt before mm -hmm. we go somewhere. Um, I'll just say, you'll never get away from me. And then it, it immediately turns into this fun, like he's like trying to climb away. And I'm mm -hmm. like, where is the hand? Oh, it's gone forever. <laughs> you know, I'm like, put it through the sleeve. And then like, mm -hmm. of course, we put the shirt over the head. Like, no, he's gone. I've lost him. <laughs> you'll never get away. I'm like, you can just easily, and you don't have to do that every time. Because a lot of times he'll just get dressed mm -hmm. and it's fine. And if we're just at home, I don't care if he has a shirt on for a little bit. Like, I'm, it's not right. worth the power struggle right. for a couple hours at home. But there are times when you just have to get dressed. Jenna Lansbury would say, and this works too. You don't have to do this every time. We're just adding to your toolbox. Mm -hmm. Jenna Lansbury would say, okay, I see you don't want to put on your shirt, but I'm going to take your hand and we're going to put it through. And you just still, you can still just put mm -hmm. it through. And you are using your strength but you're not using it out of anger for right. sure. So that's one way, and I've done that many times too, and that works great. Mm -hmm. And I've also done that with toothbrushing. I can see you don't want me to brush your teeth, but I'm going to anyways, mm -hmm. and I just brush it even though they right. hate it. Right. So you don't have to make it into a game every time, Right. but it is a really fun it's tool, fun tool. Yeah. to make, and I use the you'll never get away from me a lot. Yeah. Even just like when it's time to go, like leave my parents' house. Like, you'll never get away from me, and I pick him up and carry him out. Away. Right. So right. it takes it from I'm picking you up and carrying you away, and you're hating it, to this is fun. Mm -hmm. I'm doing the exact same thing I was going to do anyways, but it's fun. Mm -hmm. Just because I said those words, you'll never get away from me. Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's all of a sudden a game. Another, I don't I don't think that Cohen talks about this in the book, but another um, playful kind of game I use for everyday tax, tasks, and this is, it is in another book that now I can't remember, but is to give them their wish in fantasy. So when your kid is wanting something. So for example, last night, Cohen, my Cohen, my child, oldest, um, wanted to have cinnamon toast for dessert. We got playing, everybody forgot, we brushed teeth, we're about to fall asleep, and all of a sudden he's, no, the cinnamon toast, you know? And so, Giving them their wish and fantasy is just um, divulging their, is that the right word? Indulging? Indulging their their wish. So I said, oh my gosh, I bet you wish you had a mountain high stack of cinnamon toast right now. Just going out of the ceiling. I, Me too. I wish we could just swim in cinnamon toast. That's all I want right now. You know, so you're just really indulging it and taking it to the next level. So it's not like you're tempting them with it because it's, like, still semi-realistic. It has to be to the next level. Like, uh, I know. We shouldn't leave the park. Do you have a tent? Should we just live at the park? I think we should stay. I think we should have a house at the park. Where do we go to the bathroom? And, you know, so you're, it's, like, obviously a joke. You're taking it to the next level. But it's kind of a fun – I find when I do that, you know, the kids kind of get into – the imagination and they realize I think in it they realize a little bit of what we're you know our adult mind of oh, then we have to brush our teeth I think they start to see our side a little bit when we're when we're indulging in their side like mm. it I feel like it creates a little bit of a symbiotic moment for my kids oftentimes when I do that at the park um We'll, we'll play out the fantasy as we're, like, walking to the car. Like, it mm. brings us together instead of, like, a forcing. Mm. So I really like that one. Oh, I love that idea. I've never tried that before. Try it. Huh. My favorite, this is changing lanes a little bit, but just talking about tasks that you're already doing. Uh, my favorite way to make tidying funny, uh, funny, 
mm-hmm. to make it fun mm-hmm. in our family is we measure our tidy time by songs, not by mm-hmm. time. So our daily tidy is a three-song tidy. Oh, I love that. So everybody gets... Dance well, party tidy. Yeah. We, and we just take turns. Like, so, you know, you know, the kids get to choose the songs. And... We just dance. I mean, sorry, and dance. Yes, <laughs> dance. We clean and dance, but it makes it just way fun. It makes me even like our tidies mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit. ish, <laughs> ish. <laughs> I'm I'm considering possibly <laughs> liking them, but um, but anyway, that's just a fun way, and it makes you work faster when you know mm-hmm. you only have three songs. It's not going to last forever. Right. All of us hustle a little more. Right. So that's fun. So moving into disciplining with you know, play and discipline, tantrum, boundaries, all of that, um, it can feel so serious as a parent. So I like that this brings a lighthearted touch to it. First of all, um, Cohen reminds us to think of the times when we can say yes, and that you might be surprised at how many times you're saying no. And um, we all know that feeling when we're saying no so much that it dilutes it. And it's like, not even a word anymore. Like it's just floating past them and and they're not even hearing our nose because we've been using it so much. So first step, and this isn't disciplining, but is to look and say, man, am I saying no so much that, you know, I'm not having, you know, that basic attitude of acceptance for my child's wants and needs um, because they don't have a lot of control. So the more we can give them that, I think the more apt they are to respond to us with um, respect for our needs. And then also, am I saying no so much that I'm impeding my child's own judgment? So just take a minute throughout your day and think, are there moments where I'm saying no unnecessarily? Could I actually let them play outside with no shoes on when it's cold and then they learn now some people might be like oh heavens no my kids must have shoes when it's cold that might be a line for you but you know me and (laughs) I say go for it right right and they learn the judgment of when it's too cold and they're gonna want shoes yeah it's not fun they learn it's not fun that they want shoes even me I will sometimes actually put on shoes because I know it's not gonna be fun (laughs) to play without right my boots on right so look at those times when you can say yes um and then the steps to discipline that he shares in the book are first to cool off um that's universal connect so you know that can be cuddle give a hug move to your child's level you know, get down on their level. Um, and then using your discipline as a chance to connect with them. So um, Cohen uses, he calls his like breaks or, you know, circle backs or talks. You know, we've given lots of examples of this, but having a meeting on the couch. So instead of sending your kid off, which we know doesn't, It makes them feel isolated and it makes them feel like wrong and they're not accepted and they don't feel your unconditional love. If you can be with them through their working out of the discipline, I think that's always really important when they're super flustered. So he does a meeting on the couch and he asks once the kid is calmed down, what are we doing wrong? Um, Which is kind of a humbling thing as a parent. But it's always, you know, in a relationship, it's always a two-way 
to a road. So what are we doing wrong? And it opens the door for your kid to express like, you never let me shoot my Nerf gun in this room, but I'm really good at aiming it. I'm just trying to hit that target. And while you might not still let them shoot the Nerf gun in that room, you can see their need to want to set the target up a certain way and you can help them get there instead of always assuming we're right as the parent. At least that's what I go to. I'm just like, mm-hmm. I'm right all the time. Right. <laughs> and right. I don't I don't really care what your thing is. I just want you to do what my thing is. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it's an, a nice ego check. Yeah. And I think anybody responds better to limits when they feel heard. Right. So yeah, there's so many times where my kids explain to me and I still say, okay, well, I'm still holding that limit. Mm-hmm but I hear what you're saying and I can see how that'd be frustrating. Mm-hmm. And that's sometimes it, right? Yeah. But it's better than not being able to hear, not feeling heard at all. Right. And if you can see it as a limit instead of a, a punishment, um, punishments, they, they don't have a great shelf life <laughs> because if we're only punishing and we're disciplining through fear, then when our kid is off, on their own and having to make the same decision, but we're not there to hold the threat of punishment, then they're probably not going to do the thing because they haven't learned the good judgment through our relationship. They've, they're just obeying us through fear. And I'm not raising, I don't want my kids to only do good when I'm there. I want them to do good when I'm not there. So I love to view it as, as a limit that we're holding through through love and connection with a high standard, right? So it's both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that that's the motivation. I mean, that's really the goal of all of us as parents. We want to raise children who are intrinsically motivated to do good, not just because of fear of punishment. And so the only way to do that is through unconditional love and allowing them. This kind of leads us to allowing emotion, which mm-hmm. I know is one of the bedrock foundations of what we talk about all the time, but I love that Cohen really focuses on, he actually talks about tantrums and how um, we, as humans, we are programmed to hate the sound of tantrums. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it's really not just the sound of them, but it's the fear that other people are judging us. Right. And but when we tamp it down by bribing or cajoling or punishing or freaking out, um, yeah, our kids might stop, but tantrums um, are not going to, they might decrease in quantity. I don't think they do actually. Mm -hmm. I think all children while they're small have tantrums. Mm -hmm. As they grow older, they don't. Mm -hmm. It's amazing guys. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't, I don't like kick and scream on the floor. Neither do my two old, my two older girls, Mm -hmm. right? They don't Mm -hmm. do that anymore. Mm -hmm. However, he did say when um, you like just suppress, 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 then the chances of them, we've all seen adults who throw tantrums, guys. It's not pretty. No. It's not pretty at all. They never learned how to release at an age-appropriate time. Okay, I'm making a generalization here, actually. I retract that. (sighs) I don't know if that applies to every adult who throws tantrums. Right. But I do think that as children, he's like, they don't have the words when they're small. They don't have Mm -hmm. the words to express their emotion. So really, it's actually a spectacular display of (laughs) emotional release. The hitting the floor, Mm -hmm. the crying, all of that is they are releasing emotion. And as they get older, they're going to get tools that are going to help them regulate. They're going to have more words that they can actually explain. They're going to have better coping mechanisms, right? 
punching a pill in your room, going for a run up the hill. Mm-hmm. Like, we all, like, I have healthy ways of releasing my emotion now, but I didn't when I was three. Mm-hmm. And so something we can do is we can actually just give our kids the space. So if you're in a public place, you can take them, and you're embarrassed. If I'm at a park, honestly, I don't care. They can... Mm-hmm freak out on the grass all they want right. but if we're in a store i'm probably gonna go out to the car right. you know what i mean right um but allowing a chance for them to just let the emotion go through them mm-hmm. he said sometimes you do have to and he said this in raising lions as well which is another book by a different author which we will link but sometimes if they're in a dangerous situation or they keep trying to hit you might have to hold them um i hate doing this i think i've only done it like maybe once or twice but because you have to be able to hold without anger mm-hmm. until the tantrum is through. And then he said, don't talk about it then. Circle back later and say, you kept saying to let you go, but when I let you go, then you tried to hit me again, you know? So I just, you know, let's talk mm-hmm. about that. How do you feel mm-hmm. about that? Um, so I think there are times where you have to do that. But the key is you have to do it without anger. Right. And so that's really hard. So I, I prefer when my kids are small, which I'm actually getting to the point where... <laughs> We're not having as many of those because my kids are getting older. Mm-hmm. But if we're at home, just let them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to follow you around probably and yell and stuff. And I just, I can see you're frustrated and then I just keep doing what I'm doing. Or I can even be sitting by them and letting them do their thing. But I'm not over, I'm not like talking all the time. I'm just allowing, just allowing yeah. them space to express their emotion. Mm-hmm. And this isn't quite a tantrum. This is just when your kids experience pain. But I love, Cohen gives a really good example of, Sometimes when kids get hurt, so they actually have a reason. Because tantrums, sometimes it feels like they're for a reason, but it's usually a lot of reasons built up. Yeah. You know, you it's just other had a, reasons. You had a baby, and they're freaking out about they want the golden spoon. Right. It's not the spoon. It's the baby, but right. they're freaking out about the spoon. So it isn't like giving them the spoon even helps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when they're actually hurt, he gives the example of, um, a lot of parents will be like, oh, here's a sucker, here's this, oh, look, a puppy, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we can just actually allow them to feel their hurt and just hold them while they cry. And then he actually said, encourage it, like he gives the example of a little girl where he said, after she was done crying, he said, oh, it looks like that really hurt. Tell me what happened to your toe. And just let her tell the story of her toe getting stubbed. And she cried again. Mm-hmm. And then she said something like, oh, I feel better now. I'm like hopped up and went and played. Mm-hmm. But she actually had two rounds of tears in there. And had she not been able to get them out, they would come out eventually. Maybe not through tears. It could have been hitting somebody. It could have been an actual full-blown tantrum about a spoon. But if we just allow our children to feel emotions as they come up, we're really giving them so much freedom. And if you didn't have that as a kid, a lot of people were not raised being allowed to express their emotions. Mm-hmm. So it might go against your instincts. But as you do this with your children, the cool thing, guys, is you start to allow yourself to do it. Yeah. And you can actually be graceful with yourself. Again, mm-hmm. as an adult, we are able to not throw tantrums. Mm-hmm. But you might be able to not shame yourself when you feel anger. You might be able to say, like, I feel anger. I don't want to do something that's going to hurt people that I love. So I actually am going to take 10 minutes and go for a sprint. Mm-hmm. Because I feel anger. And I can right. actually admit it to myself instead of just like a lot of adults do, and be like, I'm just unhappy and I'm mad and I'm just going to be mean to everybody around me because they haven't taken the time to recognize what they're feeling and actually allow with grace themselves to feel it and process it. So for me, anger, I like to physically process it. Mm -hmm. Sadness, I might want to cry. If it's another thing, like general 
another emotion, I have other ways of dealing with it. Maybe I just right. need a few breaths and that's enough. But the key is I should actually be able to recognize what I'm feeling to be able to process it. And how are our children ever going to learn how to do that if we don't actually allow them to feel it when they're little? Right. And it's like a, I picture like one of those big like water valves, like that's their pressure release. And, <clears throat> you know, oftentimes when they start to cry, we stop and so we shut the valve. They start to cry a little bit more. We shut the valve. They start to cry. We, you know, we're, we're turning them off over and over again and we're not allowing them that full release. And so it's like the constant, like if you have a kid who's going through a phase of where like they're almost crying about every single thing, that's how I picture it. They have all this pressure built up and sometimes, again, it might be about the spoon, but they need to let that all out about something. And then I think on reflection, you'll notice them being a lot more cooperative and engaged because all and relaxed because they have had that release. Um, and Cohen encourages you to check in with how you're responding to those tantrums. So are you showing them that you can handle the tantrum? Are you safe? Are you making room for their upset? Um, and is there a repetitive pattern? And I think reflection always, when I reflect on situations where my kids are tantruming or misbehaving, it's almost always a pretty like clear aha moment of, oh my gosh, yeah, the baby is getting teeth. So I've been holding her all the time. And so no wonder my two-year-old is having a tantrum every time he's going to the bathroom to, he wants me to lift him up on the potty. Yeah. He wants more physical connection. He's been able to do them that by himself a million times. So I'm going into the adult of like, you know how to sit on the potty, just go pee, you know? Yeah. But he's craving that. So I think reflection in tantrums and discipline is super, super important and will be helpful. All right, guys. Well, we love this book and I have to take back all my pre-naysaying about playful parenting. <laughs> it was fun and eye-opening and if you guys have some fun games that work share them with us um you can find us on instagram at find the magic podcast the whole thing at find the magic at sign you know how to use instagram find the magic podcast all right everyone let's find the magic Brown cows. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>